All right, great to see you. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Genesis 42. Genesis 42, we're continuing, of course, our study of the life of Joseph. And, uh, of course, the book of Genesis, we saw, as we talked about last time, there are four key people, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. We're in the last part. Joseph is sort of the, the key character or the key person that we're looking at. We're near the end of the study, and the focus is on him. He's been raised up by God to be a ruler in Egypt. In fact, the ruler in Egypt, second only to Pharaoh himself. We saw that last time because of the famine, Joseph's brothers, there was a famine in that whole area in Egypt and even down into the, to, uh, the land of Canaan. And so uh, Joseph's brothers came to Egypt looking for food, not knowing that Joseph is the, the one that's there. They come and bow before him. And, of course, this fulfilled the scripture. This fulfilled the dream that Joseph had had all those years before that his brothers would bow down to him. Joseph knows who they are, but they don't know who he is because he looks like an Egyptian. And they can't tell who he is, and he's been talking through a translator as if he can't, because he can, when they talk, he knows what they're saying, but he's pretending he doesn't know, and so he's going to deal with them. Well, tonight, how does Joseph deal with his brothers? I've got some things for you. First of all, he's going to test them. He tests them in two ways, and we're going to see how they respond. Last week, we saw the first test. Tonight, we'll put both tests together, and we'll see how it goes. Second, they recognize the principle of sowing and reaping. Because they realize that something bad's happening to them, and they say, this is happening to us because of what we did to our brother all those years ago. And then the third thing is, we'll see how Jacob, the father, <clears throat> responds to this situation. Because at the very end, they go back, and this is what will end the chapter tonight. They go back and tell Jacob, they get, they've got to go back and take Benjamin. And Jacob says, and that going to happen. Thanks for asking, but that's not going to happen. And we'll see how all this ties together, how he responds. May we learn from our study as we continue, of course, the life of Joseph and all these events. Let's start with a prayer, and then we'll get into the passage. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, thanks for a great night. Thank you, Lord, for each one that is here, the fun that we have as we study the Bible. We thank you, Lord, for how perfect your word is. The Old Testament, of course, we know was written for our instructions. We have the word of God, which is alive and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. It is perfect. It is profitable. It is uh, beneficial for us, and it helps us grow in the grace and knowledge of our Savior. Lord, we thank you for Jesus, and we never want to take for granted what he has done for us, how he died on the cross, how he paid for our sins, how he was buried, how he rose again, and he gives to us, offers to us, offers to us as a free gift, eternal life simply by faith. And all who believe in him will not perish, but have everlasting in life. Lord, thank you for that. We thank you for uh, just the, the fact that we can come together. We had a great meal and then the, uh, the coming together as a group of believers to study the word. And so, Lord, we just ask you <clears throat> that as we look at this section in the life of Joseph and how he deals with his brothers, how he tests them and why he tests them, and we see what goes on, may we learn from this and make some applications in our lives. Lord, thank you for uh, the opportunity to come together with fellow believers. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, how many of you like tests? You know, I go. I don't. I never really liked tests when I was in school. But you realize this: that life is full of tests, whether you're in school or not. It, the situation of our lives. There's trials. There's events. God allows different tests to come into our lives so that we'll trust Him. Remember James chapter one, verses two and three. My brother, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith works patience or produces endurance. Well, this evening we're going to see if we could put it up there. <clears throat> This evening we're going to see Joseph testing his brothers, and and there uh, we're going to see really the first of two tests. He's got there's a number of tests that he's going to do. We're going to see in just these these just couple of chapters. I mean, it's really it's not going to be very long. I mean, we're going to see that he tests them. He wants to see. You know what? You say, well, why was he test his brothers? You would almost think that as soon as he saw them, he goes, these are my brothers. And he says, hey, it's me. It's, come, come up here. Come up here. What are y'all doing here? And, I mean, you'd think that he might do that. But he recognizes them. We saw it last week. 
And he doesn't let them know who he is. And he's testing them. Why would he do that? Well, I think he wants to see, are they still the way they were when they hated him? And they sold him into slavery. They were jealous of him. Now, why were they jealous of him? Because he was the favorite son. After he's gone, who was the favorite son? His brother. And so we're going to see how do they... What do they feel about his brother? He wants to find out what his brothers are like now. We're going to see that God's working in all of these events. Let me give you some things we'll see. We're going to see that the, the, God's goal is God's working. His goal is to, uh, to uh, take care, preserve. I don't, they're supposed to say preserve Israel during the, the famine. That's what it's supposed to be. He's supposed to take care of his nation. And then he's going to remove them from the sinful influence of the Canaanites. That's another reason for, for doing all of this. The third thing, as we look through all this, we'll see the issue of sowing and reaping. What you put in, you get out. <clears throat> and then we're going to see Jacob's response to the trials and situations. And I want you to notice, and I don't think we won't, we won't see it, we, we probably won't see it tonight as we look in this chapter, but you'll see it next time that there's a slight change how the Bible begins to refer to Jacob. And I want you to look at it and see if, what, what's happened here. What do you think there's a change? I think it goes back that we finally see that Jacob begins to trust God. Because as we look at the passage tonight, is Jacob trusting God? When they go back and say, we got to go take Benjamin, he goes, no way. And, and we'll talk about how that fits together. There's a lot. Let me give you the brief review. The famine has come. Joseph had interpreted Pharaoh's dream that there would be seven years of plenty and then be followed by seven years of, pl- of famine. Just as he said, there was the seven years of plenty, and now there's the seven years of famine. And that, uh, Joseph had come up with this idea that they're going to store grain, uh, store 20% every year. And so when the, fa- when the famine comes, they've got grain. And Joseph is selling it out. I mean, it's amazing. And we're going to see it as the years go by, what happens. And people from all over are coming to Egypt because Egypt's the only place that's got any food. And so notice chapter 42. We saw this last week, but I want to give you kind of the running start. Notice verse 1. Jacob. Now Jacob saw that there was grain in Egypt, and Jacob said to his sons, Why are you staring at one another? We talked about this last week. Jacob says, Hey, I heard there's food in Egypt. Why are you just sitting here, basically? we got to do something. He said, Behold, I've heard that there's grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy some for us from that place so that we may live and not die. Now we talked about it last week, that if for some reason they don't get any food, What if all the Jewish people die off? Where's the Messiah going to come from? I mean, you know, just think about it. So, you know, God is working his plan. Well, notice verse 4. Jacob did not send Joseph's brother Benjamin with his brothers, for he said, I'm afraid that my harm might befall him. What if you're one of the other brothers? What would you say? Are you care whether anything happens to us? No, no, I don't want anything to happen to him. What about us? See, the thing about it, and we talked this, we saw it last time. Jacob continues to have favorites. I mean, one of the reasons the brothers didn't like Joseph was because he was the favorite son. And now I think we're going to see the same thing. Why, why is it maybe that they don't like Benjamin is because Jacob does the same thing. Well, notice in verse 7. When Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them, but he disguised himself. This is when they come and they get there and they basically bow down, bow down to Joseph. And it says when Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them, but, but he disguised himself to them and he spoke to them harshly. And he said to them, where have you come from? And they said, from the land of Canaan to buy food. Now, they come and and he knows exactly who they are. We talked about this. You know, he was 17 when he was taken off. And, you know, we think it's been about 20 years. So, you know, he's... He's older, and, and think about them. They've changed. He, but, you know, the younger you are, the more you change, you know. And so they don't recognize him. Of course, he looks like an Egyptian. He recognizes them. He knows exactly who they are. And then he begins this deal like, where, where are you from? 
Well, we're from Canaan, and we've come to buy food. He realizes that the dream is fulfilled. Notice verse 9. Joseph remembered the dreams that he had about them and said, You're spies. You've come to look at the undefended parts of our land. He's just putting all that on them. And he really wants to know something. What are the brothers like? Are they still selfish? Are they still jealous? How do they feel about each other? How did they feel, how do they feel about my brother? So he says they're spies and they begin to try to defend themselves and saying they're honest men and they've got a father and there was 12 sons. A tenor here. One is back home. One is no more. And... Then he says again in verse 14, this is about where we ended last time. Oh, we got, well, we got to 24, I think, last time. He says, he says in verse 14, Joseph said, it is, as I said, you're spies, but it's, what I'm going to do is I'm going to test you. Now, here's the first test, and look what he says. I'm going to test you. By the life of Pharaoh, you shall not go from this place unless your youngest brother comes here. Now, I want you to think about something. He, he, why? Why would he want to see Benjamin? Huh? Because he's what? First of all, he's what? It's his true brother. He wants to see his true brother. What else? What's another reason why he would see him? He wants, is he still alive? Because they could say this, but, but they could be lying because they came back to their daddy years ago and said, we found your son's coat and it's got blood all over it. We guess an animal must have eaten him up, you know. So he doesn't know what they're going to say. What would be another thing? He wanted to see how they treated him. What, what, how were they relating to Benjamin? Did they hate him in the way they hated Joseph? So he, he wants to, this is the test. And so he says they have to bring the younger son. They have to bring the younger brother. They have to do that. That's the test. This is the first test. Now, uh, I put this right here. Um, did they hate Benjamin like they hated him? Was there still jealousy and division in the family? You know, things have not been that good, right? Who's the oldest? There's Reuben who's second. You may know Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah. That's the top four, okay? Reuben had gotten into trouble, hadn't he? He'd done some things. Levi had done some things wrong. You know? I mean, all of them have gotten into trouble and messes with their daddy. I mean, so there's been divisions and all these kind of things. So he says, okay, look, here's what I'm going to do. Here's my plan, and I call it plan number one. I'm going to send one of you to get the younger brother, and I'm going to put the rest of you in prison. Look at verse 16. Send one of you that he may get your brother while you remain confined, that your words may be tested whether there's truth in you. Uh, but if not, by the life of Pharaoh, surely you are spies. So he put them all together in prison for three days. Now think about it. That's his first plan. Put them all in prison but one. We're going to see the sowing and the reaping because they're going to begin to go, wait a minute, wait a minute. But he changes his mind. He comes up with plan number two. And he says this. Now, Joseph, verse 18, Joseph said to them on the third day, do this and live for I fear God. We talked about it last week. If he was an Egyptian and grew up as an Egyptian, what would he have said most likely? I fear God. The gods, right? Because Egypt had gods all over the place. I mean, one of their gods is the frog, and one of their gods is the sun, and one of their gods is the Nile River. And they had gods for everything. But he didn't say, I fear the gods. He said, I fear God. And, and I think they, they, they thought, this is unusual. I mean, this guy is not your normal Egyptian. Something is unique. In fact, he's, I think, you know what I think? I think that was almost a hint to them. I fear God. And they were thinking, wow. 
And then he says this, if you're honest men, verse 19, let one of your brothers be confined in prison, but as for the rest of you, go carry grain for your family of your household. So plan number two is I fear God and leave, and then he says leave one brother and go and bring back the youngest. So instead of putting them all in prison and letting one go, he puts one in prison and let them all go. And the whole idea was this would, as, as verse 19 and 20 says, that if you're honest men, your brother that you know, and then that will bring your youngest brother back to me, verse 20, so your words may be verified and you will not die. And they did so. So it looks, you know, it looks like this guy's cutting them some slack. He's going to just put one of them in prison and send the rest back. But we see the cure part. And this is something that, that, that I've tried to think through the whole aspect. And, and here's the next part. What will they do with a brother left behind? Will they forget him? This is part of a test that we don't grasp. I mean, we know he's testing them to see what they've done with his younger brother. But he's also going to say, what will you do with this other brother that's going to be left behind? Are you going to ever come back and get him? Is he going to leave him here? Are you, if my younger brother is dead, what's going to happen to the one who stays here? Because you can't bring him back, see? You can't come back and say, this is the younger brother, so how are you going to ever get this guy? What, are you all just going to say, well, we'll just cut our losses, and we won't ever go back? He doesn't know what they're going to do. He he doesn't know what they're like. And so the test is, leave the brother, look out for, you know, could they leave the brother, look out for themselves, or will they come back? And I think we begin to see the principle of sowing and reaping. Whatever you put in, you get out. And we've seen that over and over. Look at verse 21. Then they said to one another, Surely we are guilty concerning our brother, because we saw the distress of his soul when he pleaded with us, yet we would not listen. Therefore this distress, notice, therefore this distress has come upon us. Why are they saying this distress has come upon us? Because why? Because what they did to who? To Joseph. See, they say, we did wrong. And now we're reaping what we sowed. The principle of sowing and reaping is true in every aspect of life. That's just the way it is. That's God's principle. God's principle is whatever you put in, you get back. They say we're guilty concerning our brother. We've done wrong, and now this has happened to us. You notice what Reuben said later, just right after that Reuben said, Reuben answered them saying, did I not tell you don't sin against the boy and you wouldn't listen? Now comes the reckoning, what? For his blood. We're fixing to get paid back for what we did. Why? Reaping and sowing. Galatians 6, 7, as you remember, the Galatians 6, 7, be not deceived, God is not mine. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. He who sows of the flesh reaps what? Corruption. He who sows of the spirit reaps what? Eternal life. There's a principle in the Bible that whatever you put in, you get back. That's just the way it is. The principle of life that God has put together. I have that other verse there where Reuben is the one that says, I told you, I told you not to do this. Well, he didn't want his brother sent off that way. They've come to the place where they recognize their sin. They admit it to each other and they realize there are consequences. And I think one of the things we have to realize is now, we, we, salvation is a gift. It cost us nothing. Jesus died on the cross. He paid for all our sins. The sin debt is removed. When we believe in Jesus Christ, we have the forgiveness of sins. The payment for sin has already been made. And yet, there's still consequences. When you do something wrong, there are consequences. Now, that doesn't stop eternal life or salvation, but there are consequences. And, 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 one, and, and one of the good things about it is that if you sow to the Spirit, you reap. Good. You sow to the flesh, you reap bad. 
So when we say the principle of sowing and reaping is not always bad. What you put in, you get out. You put in the good. You live a righteous life. You you do good. You 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 serve Jesus Christ. You live in the power of the Holy Spirit. You use your spiritual gifts. You're gonna you're gonna reap good. There, I mean, there's blessing and those kind of things. And eternally, there'll be the reward. So there's a lot of great things there. But he, they're saying now, you know, we did bad. It's coming back on us. We talked about last time about what are we supposed to do when we do wrong? Well, we deal with our sin. Psalm 32, where David confessed his sin. We already know that First John 1, 9, we don't have to look there. I think I've got the slide there. You know in First John 1, 9, he says, if, we're, if we confess our sins, he's faithfully just to forgive us and to cleanse us. We know that confession, the word confession is homologeo, which means to say the same thing. There are a lot of people confused. They think to confess sin means to ask for forgiveness. It does not. To confess sin means to tell on yourself. It means to say the same thing that God says. And to look at sin in the same way. And how does God see sin? He sees that it's wrong because it put Christ on the cross. But he also sees that it's paid for because Christ Jesus died on the cross and paid for sin. So when we confess our sins, we tell on ourselves. We basically say to God, I did this. It's wrong. He is faithful and just to do what? forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So that's one of the things we, and, and I'm not going to go into a lot of details because we did mention that a little bit last week as well. So the, qu- the question might be is, do you and I, are we dealing with sin? When we when we do wrong, uh, do we deal with sin? Sometimes people ask, um, if, you, uh, if you do something wrong and you confess it, are the consequences going to be gone? Could God could show grace and just say okay, but but there is that sowing and reaping, and there are going to be consequences. It may not be the same, it may not be what it could have been. We all know that if you have sin in your life and you stay out of fellowship with God and you're in rebellion against God, for whom the Lord loves, He chastens and scourges every child He receives. So we, the moment we recognize there's sin in our lives, we need to deal with it, confess it, and and forsake it, and go on and live for Jesus Christ. Well, watch what happens. Uh, verse 23, they did not know, however, that Joseph understood, for there was an interpreter between them. They they didn't know that this talking, that Joseph is hearing everything, and he's hearing them say that we're, this is happening to us because what we did to our brother. And the oldest one, you know, is saying, I told you, I told you not to do it. And he didn't. they did not understand that Joseph understood. They did not know he understood, for there was an interpreter between him. He turned away from them and wept. You know, you could almost see that our tendency might be to say, okay, I quit. Y'all, it's me. But he doesn't do that. He still wants to see what they are like. And so he turned away from them and wept. But when he returned, he spoke to them and he took Simeon from them and bound him before their eyes. Right there. You understand, Simeon's going to be in prison for how long? going to be a while. What would you do if you were Joseph? What do you think about your brother being in prison while the rest have gone? they got to make the trip all the way back. And we realize they don't turn around and come right back. So if you're Joseph, what do you, do you, do you, do you think you ever check on him? I mean, what do you think? How are you going to check on him, though? Because if you check on him, it looks like, why is this important man checking on this guy, you know? So he takes Simeon and binds him, you know, bound him right before their eyes. Well, here's the key. What are they going to do about Simeon? What about Benjamin? So we got the test. 
first test, bring back Benjamin. They're going to, he's going to see how they treated each other, how they treat Benjamin, all this. But he's got a second test coming, and we're fixing to see it, and it deals with money. Are they honest? Watch what he does. Verse 25. Then Joseph gave orders to fill their bags with grain and to restore every man's money in his sack and to give them provisions for journey, and thus it was done for them. Now, they put the money back in the sacks. What money? The money they came to buy the stuff. They came to buy stuff. He's letting them buy it and take it back, put one of his one of the brothers in prison, and the rest of them, and he's going to send them back to come back with Benjamin. And what's happened is he put the money back in the sacks. They don't know this. Now, do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing? It's a bad thing for them. You think? What, what if you went and bought something? And you paid $50 for it. And you get home and you open up your sack and the $50 is still in there. Would you think it's a good thing or a bad thing? They don't think it's a bad thing. They're not thinking, did we get a break here? They're going to think, they're going to say we what? Stole his money. We didn't steal it. We don't even know who put it in here. But now how are we going to explain this one? Sowing and reaping. Reaping and sowing. This is what's happening to us. He's going to test them because what if they go home and come back the next time and they say, we're ready to buy and we bought the money to buy some more. Are they going to come back and say, oh, by the way, we got extra money last time. We don't know where it came from, but we want to give that back and we want to buy. He's going to test them to see if they're honest. He's he's wanting to, to see the character of his brothers. Well, look what happens. Verse 27, verse 26. So they loaded their donkeys with grain and departed from there. As one of them opened his sack to give his donkey fodder at the lodging place, he saw his money, and behold, it was in the mouth of his sack. Oh, my. They, they stopped. And notice notice what it says. Then he said to his brothers, My money has been returned, and behold, it's even in my sack. And notice their hearts, what? Sank. They're not happy about this. And they turned trembling to one another, saying, What is this that God has done to us? See, they they think this is sowing and reaping. They think they're getting bad. This is not this is not a good thing. You'd think maybe that this is a good thing. I got my money back. I, I got extra money now. No, they're not thinking that way at all. They're saying, Oh my gosh, what if we go back to get Simeon? And he says all you guys are going to jail because y'all stole money. Y'all went in there and stole the money. How we, would that guy believe us that, you know, that this money, you know, because we opened up one sack and there's money in there. That's all they know about. By the way, they hadn't opened the other sacks. They only know that there's money in this one sack. Watch, and I'll show you in just a second what happened. They're all upset. They don't know what to do. So look what happens. Verse 29, when they came to their father Jacob in the land of Canaan, they told him all that had happened to them, saying, now they get there and they say, here's what happened. The man, the Lord of the land, spoke harshly with us and took us for spies of the country. They call him the man. The man. The Lord, that man, the Lord of the country. He he, he said we were spies, but we said to him, we're we're honest men. We're not spies. Now, how are you going to prove you're honest when you just stole all that money? Because somebody could say, you stole the money. You're supposed to pay for us, but you couldn't got that money. But we said to him, we're honest men. We're not spies. And then they said, we're 12 brothers, sons of our father. One is no longer alive. Do they know that? They don't know for sure. In fact, they're wrong. 
one is still alive. In fact, he just is the one been talking to them. They just don't know it. We said one is no longer alive, and uh, the youngest is with our father today in the land of Canaan. So here's what he said to us. The man, the Lord of the land, that man, the Lord of the land said to us, By this I will know you're honest men. Leave one of your brothers with me and take grain for the, for the famine of your household and go. But here's what I want you to do. But I want you to bring your youngest brother to me that I may know that you're not spies, but honest men. I will give your brother to you and you may trade in the land. He said, so he put it simply said, just, uh, I think you're spies. I think you're lying to me. In order to prove that you're honest men, I'm going to keep one of your brothers. You're going to go back and get your youngest brother. Bring him, bring him back. When you do, I'll release this brother and then you'll be able to trade. I'll give you what you need so you can make it. That's what they felt like when they sold him that. <laughs> Now, how does, this is how, that was what Jacob felt. When you hear that scream, he thought, oh no, I lost Joseph, I've lost Simeon, and now what's fixing to happen? Most likely I'm going to lose Benjamin. Now watch the next verse. It came about as they were emptying their sacks that behold, every man's bundle of money was in his sack. And when they and their father saw the bundles of money, they were dismayed how are we going to get out of this how are we going to convince that person when we go back up there that we didn't steal this money that that we didn't we didn't do this by the way the hebrew word for money is the same that they use an interchangeable with the word for silver let me ask you a question what did they get for joseph when they traded him as a spy as a slave remember 20 20, I think it's 20 pieces of silver. We'll see something later. Look at, we'll see next week what happens when, when they gotta go back. Cause see, you think about it, they, if they've got, if there's, they got 10 pieces of silver, right, or 10, 10 bundles of gold, they're gonna have to go back with 10 more, they're gonna have to go back with 20. We'll see. We'll see what happens. And as they came about, as they were emptying their sacks, that behold, every man's bundle of money was in his sack. And when they said, and they said, and their father saw the bundles of money, they were dismayed. Their father Jacob said to them, You have bereaved me of my children. Joseph is no more. Simeon is no more. And you'd take Benjamin. All these things are against me. Look at, look at verse 36. I've got right here. You can put it up on the slide. All's against me. Joseph's no more. Simeon's no more. And you're going to take Benjamin, and you know, he'll probably never see him again either. He's seeing things wrong. He said, all is against me. Is everything against Jacob? I think if you want to look historically, Jacob's one of the the most blessed men in the whole world. Because God chose Abraham, and then God from Abraham had Isaac and Esau, and then he chose Isaac. And then Isaac had Jacob. And Isaac and Ishmael, and then he had uh, Jacob and Esau, and he chose Jacob. Jacob is a chosen man by God to bring the nation of Israel, in fact, ultimately to bring the Messiah into the world. And what does he say? Everything is against me. We don't know the future. We often see things from our side, and we say everything's against me. Everything's gone wrong. Everything's wrong. We just don't know the future. God's plans. Sometimes we see things from the worst and we think everything's against us, but it's not. In fact, God is working all things together for good. God is working all things for good for him. It's going to be beyond what he could imagine. I want you to think about what's about to happen in his life. Notice. 
He will soon see Joseph after 20 years. He thought 20 years ago that Joseph is dead and he will never see him again. And he was his favorite son. He's about to see him after 20 years. He's about to see Simeon. He's not going to lose. He's also going to be provided. They, he's going to be, they're going to be totally taken care of in the famine. He's going to find out that the son who he thought was dead is the second most powerful man in the world. So he can't be saying, everything's against me. He doesn't realize that everything's really for him. And sometimes in our lives, we look at the circumstances and we say, everything's going wrong. And God says, no, 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 it's not going wrong. You just can't see yet. I'm working all things together for good. This is going to turn out better than you could ever imagine. So look what happens. Verse 37. Then Reuben said to his father, You may put my two sons... Now listen to this. Tell me what y'all think about this statement. You may put my two sons to death if I do not bring him back to you. Put him in my care and I'll return him to you. If you're Reuben's two sons, do you want to say... Excuse me. Let's, uh, let's don't come up with that plan. Okay? But let me ask you a question. You're, uh, you're Jacob. And one of your sons says, if I don't bring back Benjamin, you may put my two sons to death. So what? Why would I want to, what, how does that help anything? Right? I want to kill two more people? Cause my, you know, how does it help killing my grandsons? Because you don't bring my son back. I mean, that's a stupid thing to say, don't you think? How did it make any sense? What he's trying to say is, I'm so confident that I will be able to bring him back. I'm willing to risk my own son's lives. But Jacob said, My son shall not go down with you. For his brother's dead, and he alone is left. If harm should befall him on that journey you're taking, then you'll bring my gray hair down to Sheol in sorrow. He said, I will die in sorrow if anything happens to him. The answer is no. Now, if the answer is no, there's some questions. What about Simeon? He's going to leave him there? And you know what he's really saying is? I don't care about Simeon. I only care about Benjamin. I, I mean, I don't care. What will going to happen when we run out of food? I mean, we can only carry so much back. What's going to happen when we run out of food? And third, will Jacob trust God? Let me ask you something. What 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 has he got to trust God about? Well, not his life necessarily. What about his son? He's going to have to say, "My son is in your hands." Anybody that's a daddy or a mama, we have to do that with our kids, don't we? They want to go somewhere, and we don't want them to go. I mean, are you going to drive in a car and go? Oh Lord, oh please take care of them. You know, isn't it right? Isn't that how we look at our kids? Every day we wake up and say, Lord, they're in your hands. That's it. What, your sons went to war. That's what you had to do. I know. I know. And he's, he's not to the point where he can say they can go off to war. I ain't letting them go. He's saying, I am not letting Benjamin go even if it means Simeon dies there. That's what he says. In that family, who counted? Joseph 
and Benjamin. That's it. How do you think the rest of those brothers felt? Man, that's why there's problems. That's why there's problems. Well, what have we seen? We've seen the famine, and Joseph sent the ten sons. They bow. I mean, excuse me. Jacob sent the ten sons. They bow before Joseph without, Joseph without even knowing it. Joseph tests them. Number one says, "You got to bring back the youngest." The brothers confess their guilt. They realize that God's working. He keeps Simeon. He gives the second test to him. He puts the money in the sacks to see what they're going to be if they're going to be honest. And and this way they tell Jacob. But at this point, Jacob says, "I will not let him go." When it ends here, it's a it's a sad end. Really, that's a sad stop. Uh, because we could say, well, best we know, he said, Joseph is dead, Simeon's good as dead, because we never going back to get him. We're fixing to run out of food, and we don't know what we're going to do, because Daddy will not let Benjamin go with us. That's the only hope for us to stay alive, is to go back there to get food. And the only hope for Simeon is to go back and get there and bring Benjamin, and Dad won't do it. So, what's going to happen? Well, we'll see next time. Let me give you some applications. The first one is this. We've got to trust God in the situations of life. This is what it is. We've seen it over and over again in the Word of God. We have to trust Him for, for the brothers, for Jacob, and everything looks bad. They're in that famine. But he's, it's going to have to get to a point. You might say this. It's going to have to get to a point where Jacob trusts God. Right now, he says, everything's against me. He's not trusting God. He says, everything is against me. In Genesis 45, 7, Joseph said, God sent me here to preserve you. That's what he's going to tell them. That's what's going to happen. God does the same thing for us. Situations of life, we don't even know what's happening. We don't even understand it. We just see the events. God's working on all the events of our lives. When things come that seem to be against us, we can't say everything's against me. All we can say is, God, I don't understand everything. I just have to trust you because I don't know what's going. And so we must, I think we have, we must trust God in the trials and the testing of life, and we have to rest in him. We just have to. There's no, that's just the way it is. He is working. He's going to do beyond what we could imagine. Jacob doesn't know that God is about to do something so amazing that he's not even going to believe it, that, that Joseph is alive and Joseph is in charge and there's going to be food, and when they get to Egypt, they're going to have the best place in the whole land to live, and they're going to be, Joseph is famous, and they're going to be famous because they're Joseph's family. He doesn't even know that's all about to happen. We have to trust God. Second, realize the truth of sowing and reaping. I mean, think about it. Galatians 6, 7, whatever you sow, you reap. Be not deceived. God is not mine. That's just what it is. Whatever you sow, you reap. The brothers knew. They knew that the bad things were happening to them. They were saying, this has happened because of the way we treated Joseph. Think about it. Um, they were made prisoners. What did they do to Joseph? They made him a what? Prisoner because they made him a slave and took him off. Now they made prisoners. Well, they, they lied to their father. Now they're being lied to. It's coming right back on them. They're being lied to. They don't even know it was Joseph. They don't know what's happening. They don't know how the money got in there. They don't know what's going to happen. Sowing and reaping. Whatever we put in, we get back. We live righteously and godly in the power of the Holy Spirit based on the Word of God. There will be blessing and rewards. That's what we want to do. May we sow to the Spirit living a righteous life and we'll be blessed. One of the things that just from this passage we want to remember is deal with sin. Because the moment we recognize sin in our lives, confess that he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. So may we trust God in all the trials of life, knowing that he's working beyond what we could even imagine. And we want to live a life in such a way that, that we'll have life and blessing 
as we live, as we sow to the Spirit so that we reap life. Let's pray. And then if you've got questions, comments, we'll, we'll deal with it. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you as we look at this passage and we see these great truths and we just see so many things. Lord, we just have to trust you. It's so hard. It's hard to trust you with children. It's hard to trust you with our lives. It's hard to trust you with, with all the things that are coming in and out. And, and Lord, we have to realize that you are the greatest and you love us beyond we could imagine. And you only want the very best for us. And you are working all things together for good, even though we can't see it. And even though sometimes things aren't good, we still have to trust you. So, Lord, may we do that in the trials and testing of life. May we rest in you and trust in you because we know you're working all things uh, for what's best. And we know that you're going to do even beyond what we could even ask or imagine. Lord, we realize that how we live has a bearing that when we sow to the flesh, we reap of the flesh. When we sow to the Spirit, we reap in the sense of the Spirit. Whatever we sow, uh, we reap. And, Lord, we want to live in such a way that there's blessing. We want to live righteously and godly. We want to walk in the Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, living by the Word of God in a walk of faith so that uh, that there'll be blessing in our lives and even rewards in the future. And so, Lord, we want to live that way. Lord, help us as we look at these lives to be able to see truths and principles that we can apply even now in our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.